Hello and welcome to the 92nd edition of Talking Points hosted by Influence Weekly. This week, myself and my colleague Juliet from Matter of Form will be talking you through last week's news um, and sharing our views and opinions with you. So to start and give you a quick introduction, my name is Rachel Clay and I am Head of Influencer Marketing and Social Media at Matter of Form. We specialise in running influencer campaigns for luxury and premium brands across travel, hospitality, fashion, beauty and luxury lifestyle. Juliet, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about your role? Absolutely. So I am Marketing Executive for the Matter of Form group. I work across the events and thought leadership initiatives that we run here um, to promote the agency and try and attract new business. So yeah, delighted to be taking part. Oh, well, thank you for joining me today, Julia. <laughs> On this miserable um, Monday. Yes, I know. It is not the most inspiring, but hopefully we'll be able to entertain you for the next 25 minutes with our uh, thoughts and views. So, looking through last week's newsletter and taking the first article as a starting point on travel influencers. This is something obviously that we have quite a lot of experience in, given our specialism working with so many travel and lifestyle brands. So historically as a business, we've worked with Armand Resorts, we've worked with Belmond, the train company, we've worked with several yachting brands. Um, And I myself have worked with tourism boards too. So this is quite close to our hearts and it's I don't know, it was quite conflicting to read the article on CNN, um, which pointed out a lot of the kind of the negatives and maybe sort of focused on those over the positives. So we, I think, just wanted to balance that out um, with our views and sort of maybe try to explain where some of the tensions lie and, and sort of what can be done to, to smooth things over. So, Juliet, what were your thoughts on the article? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was... Um as ever super interesting but I think yeah like you said it had quite a negative spin on it and actually I've, I've looked at um, a stat and 87% of millennials use Instagram as inspiration for holidays I know personally it's the first place I go um, a place which has been popping up const- constantly in my feed recently has been Jordan and now it's quickly gone from being a place where I wouldn't have ever considered to being pretty much number one spot it looks incredible from all of these influencers posting beautiful beautiful content um, and it, it really does inspire you to go there, doesn't it? So for me, I felt like it was extremely worth it for brands. I completely get that you want an, an authentic post. Yeah. Um, and I get that there is a danger of you know people taking advantage and asking for too much. But ultimately, I think hotel brands and, and travel companies should be utilising these, these influencers. Well, yeah, I think I agree in the main. And actually, if we think back to, I don't know, destinations like uh, the Gilly Isles in Bali, mm. which probably people are sick of seeing now on Instagram, but only mm. because there has been so much content generated and it is so imprinted on people's radars now and so iconic because of the social media network. Um, or places like Oya in Santorini, which I personally first came across on Instagram, and I know it's sort of been... Um, sort of posted to death now but really these places became iconic because of the exposure generated by the network mm. um, and visitor numbers were increased hugely tourism in the areas where it was so impacted by the content and the exposure that they were given 
that I think we can't sort of take away from the benefits and the importance that the networks have had. And like Juliet said, there are so many statistics now around the importance or the influence really of social media on people's holiday decisions and travel Mm. decisions to the extent that we know some of our hotel clients who have pretty much sort of like Instagram directors within resorts to show you where you can get the best pictures to post on your feed, which I know sounds really sort of really vain and perhaps makes some people cringe, but it's because it's that important. Mm. And there are people that genuinely make decisions based on where to go on the type of content they're going to be able to post on their feed. Definitely. And I think something that um, really sprung to mind for me was, you know, 15 years ago and, and still today, you know, holidays would be sponsoring extremely expensive and luxurious press trips, you know, for 10, 15 journalists to mm-hmm. go out and visit them. And and actually, the Instagram content that comes off the back of this feels a lot more genuine. It's not just, you know, one image that the hotel has provided for the journalist to post in a magazine alongside four other trips they've made in the year. And with, with the Instagram posts and content, it feels like you're genuinely experiencing the resort or the hotel alongside, you know, in the moment with these influencers. And it's really, really powerful. And it feels, you can actually feel like you can put yourself in their shoes. And... So I think it's actually something that's been around for a long time. It's a matter of whether something is genuine or authentic. And it's down to, you know, the, the hotel and the, the brand itself really driving that. I yes. think there is an element of content posted on Instagram being perceived as more relatable than content that is published in just a glossy magazine. Mm. Um, I think that there is also a benefit in terms of timing. In ter- you, know, you can post it content instantly to a social media network, whereas if you're a journalist going on a trip, you have to experience that, write it up and have it published maybe weeks, months later. I think there is an issue around the authenticity, though, with mm-hmm. all uh, influencer-generated content from resorts. And I think there is... That's one of the tensions, I think, that people are sort of sick of seeing these almost perfect, sort of very filtered, very edited lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps that not really representing the reality of the destination or the resort. Um, I think one of the other tensions is probably in the organisation and the approach that travel influencers have, which is different to other sectors, whereby in, in many other industries, you know, brands will figure out their own strategy and they'll do their own research into the profiles they want to work with, or they'll work with agencies like us who will do that for them. There is um, of travel influencers out there now that are very bold and go direct to the brands and the resorts that they want to approach. Um, which is not necessarily bad. It opens up new relationships and new opportunities and, and probably gives resorts profiles to consider that they wouldn't have necessarily known mm. about. However, brands and resorts struggle, I think, to vet those opportunities and to yeah. know which is worthwhile and which isn't. And there is a fear among many brands that if they do turn down an influencer who wants to stay there, who wants to travel to there, who wants to go to their restaurant or whatever it may be, that they will therefore receive negative press if they mm-hmm. don't agree. Mm-hmm. And I think that that in part is a hangover from when the influencer industry wasn't quite as professionalised as it is now. Um, and it definitely still has a long way to go in terms of professionalism. But it um it is a tension it is an issue that is yeah. specific to the travel industry um and we don't find so much outside of it and i think what was mentioned in the article was the importance of these instagram instagrammers having 
and influencers having an educational side to the post and that is actually something brands can really deliver on and make sure that the the influencer are using to to push the content and make it more genuine and authentic yeah i think it if you're gonna if you're a brand of a resort that is interested in taking up almost like an ad hoc or an opportunistic um opportunity to work with an influencer that's come to you there are huge benefits to be had from that but like Juliet says there needs to be a it needs to be mutually beneficial you need to mm-hmm. understand their audience and make sure they are strategically relevant to you you need to understand their account and their messaging and make sure that they can add the value that you're looking for and represent your destination in a way that is going to work for you um and I think you also need to be very clear on what your own strategy is and how these people fit in and whether there is space to um to take on board everything that they would like to do but that's not to say that you can't build up a relationship with them um and perhaps feature them in another way or or do something in the future it's a matter of being informed i think informed about what you want to achieve the people that you want to work with and informed about how you vet opportunities that come to you and whether there is a real benefit in a way that you can make them mutually beneficial Mm -hmm. um I think it's also worth saying that the majority of influencers in all industries are very decent, very hardworking people. Yeah. Um, people aren't looking to scam you. They aren't looking to get something for nothing. Um, they aren't looking to give you sort of negative feedback. They, they have their own strategy that they're following for their own brand and their own marketing perspective. And if that doesn't work with you, then that's a professional conversation that can be had. Definitely. And I think actually this probably links really well to that whole perfect Instagram life article that was on stylist um and you know the cost of what it takes to be an influencer so there's an amazing stat saying you know 2548 pounds 40 per month to live an Instagram life and I you know I'm guilty of that I go and spend a lot of money on brunches and it's definitely been encouraged by what I see on my phone so yeah what do you what did you make of that firstly I was surprised because that I think is a lot of brunches <laughs> a lot of avocado on tape oh send them my way yeah <laughs> but um so at first glance I for sure was surprised and actually I thought it was an interesting tale that stylist had chosen to analyze how much it cost influencers to run mm. their feeds and to generate the content that they do because there's a it's almost sort of turning it on its head there's a lot of press out there around how much influencers are paid yeah it's a really different angle actually yeah. yeah 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 because you forget that actually they have to organically go out and look for content as well yeah for sure because content is a currency if they're not posting two three four five times a yeah. week or several times a day depending on their um their content calendar then their followers start to drop off and become disengaged mm. and they know that so they're they need to content constantly and if they haven't got it from brand deals and they likely haven't got enough and shouldn't really have a hundred percent sponsored content anyway mm. that yeah they're gonna have to continue to generate it and sort of fabricate this lifestyle and pay yeah. for it themselves so I think that actually was a very interesting viewpoint that stylists took. Um, I think there are considerations for brands in reading this. So Instagram is making a lot of strides currently and has been throughout 2019 towards commercialising the platform more mm-hmm. and making it uh, an e-commerce destination. 
So in the States, there was a, a, a trial running with 23 brands, which has been underway for several months, looking at options to provide e-commerce solutions within Instagram. So currently you can click through on a shoppable tag and complete mm. a purchase, but you have to then be directed to the brand's website in order to do that. I think Instagram, as soon as possible, will launch in-app shopping, um, which will facilitate huge revenue streams and mm. huge e-commerce opportunities for brands. Um, particularly if those purchase journeys can be started by uh, retailers as well as by influencers themselves. So I think that uh, brands do really need to kind of take notice of the money that people are already investing in creating what they consider to be an Instagrammable life mm. and think about how much more they're going to likely be encouraged to spend. Yeah. What is realistic? Yeah, you know. as as soon as there are more options yeah. to, uh, to, to retail and to, and to make this sort of Instagrammable life instantly accessible to purchase for people. So I wonder, you know, Instagram looking to shoppable tags, obviously, which are for physical products, but, you know, we uh, very much recognise in the industry that now people are after transformational experiences. They want to be doing things that, you know, like lovely dinners and and they want to be showcasing their lifestyle do you think that actually maybe that will move into you know um bookable tags so you could immediately book a restaurant that you've seen in an instagram or maybe a, a hotel or something yeah i do i mean so you can already create a booking you can. um on an instagram profile not within an individual post though I see. But it, on a business profile, if you are a restaurant or a hotel or a, a hair salon, yes, mm-hmm. you, can, you, you can take bookings directly on your Instagram account. And actually, the functionality that Instagram have built in over recent years to allow brands and businesses to do things like that have very much informed sort of a new proposition that we are looking to launch at Matter of Form, mm-hmm. um, dedicated to the importance of social media. So we uh, consider that despite our background as a, a traditional e-commerce business, so I'm, I'm not sure how many of you will be familiar with the Matter of Form brand, but the agency is actually 10 years old next month. Um, and it started life as a web design and build business back in 2009. Always specialised in luxury brands and always with very beautiful design, but really as a, as a traditional e-commerce business. But over the years has expanded considerably, not only in terms of offices. We now have offices in New York and in Hong Kong. Uh, and in terms of headcount, we have 70 people at our headquarters in London, but also in terms of service offerings. So we can still design and build you a beautiful website. We still manage e-commerce. Um, but we also now have content teams and UX teams and SEO teams and I myself, who head our influencer marketing and social media division. So we are kind of a one-stop shop for everything that you need. But having, I think, that history and that experience in e-commerce has given us a very unique viewpoint from which we can view social media through. Mm -hmm. So our new proposition is built around three key beliefs. We educate all of our clients that Instagram profiles are the new websites. So it's a little bit controversial for a traditional web Mm. design agency to be promoting that as a key message, but actually we think that it is true. And in large part, that is because of the functionality that's been built in. And consequently, the the way that followers and consumers are now engaging with brands. So several years ago, or maybe even two or three years ago, if you wanted to know more about a particular brand or a restaurant or a business, you'd Google it and go straight to their website. 
often now, particularly the millennial generation, but actually many more people too, will look on Instagram, will use it as a search engine and they'll go straight to the profile page. So therefore your Instagram profile page has become your first touch point with your consumer or, or with your brand follower. So that needs to be as branded and as considered and as well resourced as your website is. Um, when we're making new hires, um, when we're making new hires here here at Matter of Form, actually the first thing that people say is that they look at our Instagram, and even though we're you know, as you say, an digital agency set of agencies, people are so drawn to finding out about the culture and beyond the website that actually Instagram is their first point of call. Yeah, Instagram is increasingly, increasingly and increasingly uh, the first point of call, the first online destination mm-hmm. for information. It really has evolved beyond a social media network, beyond a messaging service, and really in many ways beyond a search engine. Now it's becoming an ecosystem that we live our lives in. Definitely. And as soon as you will be able to shop on that, people will never leave. Yeah. And actually that is our second belief, that the future of e-commerce is social commerce. And a lot of that is informed, of course, by what we see going on with Instagram, specifically in the US and the moves that they are making. But also we think Instagram as far as possible in the West are following the blueprint of WeChat in China. And WeChat in China have developed uh, e-commerce platforms, we shops, which are probably stronger than websites for most brands that retail across them and they facilitate one click shopping with wechat they facilitate social commerce with the sharing of discount codes amongst groups of friends and we very much think that instagram is going to follow that model Mm. which then leads us on to our third uh, key belief which is that influencer marketing within this sort of world that we imagine where nobody leaves instagram is um not only sort of a brand ambassadorial approach but actually it becomes your social seo strategy it is how you beat the Instagram algorithm in the same way you have a strategy to beat the Google algorithm. It's how you keep your content high in people's feeds. Mm-hmm. So have you experienced a campaign you know, whilst working here that, that has been particularly successful or has really drawn on those three beliefs? It's, it's kind of early days mm. um, for many of our clients to be um, sort of exposed to these kind of beliefs in education. Um, However, many do take it on board and we actually run courses every eight weeks in influencer marketing um, through which we educate not only our own client base and clients across the agency, but also anybody who is interested in knowing more. Uh, and these three beliefs really underpin that whole day as a, as a workshop mm-hmm. and a masterclass, really just to explain why social media is so important in the first place. We often find when we speak to people that they think it's a nice to have, they're doing it because everybody else is doing it, mm. they're doing it because they think they can reach a millennial audience through it, they don't really have a strategic understanding of the value of social media to the future of business and that's what we try to give them. Um, with that said, we run several campaigns for luxury brands, so for Breitling, for the designer fragrance portfolio at Estee Lauder, for the rug company, for Smashbox, for Elisar. And all of those campaigns are bespoke, they're all creative, but they're all informed by these three beliefs. So we do keep them at the heart of everything that we do, um, and we do develop strategy accordingly. So yeah, adding on to that, I think um, what's so important with Instagram being a, the first point of call for, for so many people when they are looking into brands and when they are looking um, for inspiration is really diversifying the proposition and that actually relates really well to one of the articles that was in the newsletter last week um, about you know 
the not typical Instagram fashion influencers, uh, the older generation, I guess. Um, what did you think of that, Rachel? Yeah, I was really pleased to see this because, again, what frustrates me a lot about Instagram and the perception of Instagram is that it's only used by millennials. Mm. That if you are looking to reach an audience outside of that age bracket, that it's not the place to be. That nobody over 50 is on it because they're, they're not cool enough and they mm. don't get it. And it isn't relevant. And that really isn't true. If you were to break down the demographics of the 1 billion Instagram users um, that engage with the platform every month, then you would see that there are profiles for everybody. And beyond that, there are dogs on there. There are CGI influencers mm-hmm. on there. There are babies on there. And yeah, right at the other end, there are the older generation that have adopted the technology because actually it's easy to use and that's mm. what's driven its success in it's the very first intuitive. place. It's very intuitive. It's really creative. Yeah. And actually at the heart of it, it is a social network. It should be used that way to keep people connected and to keep them involved in each other's lives. And I think that's what the older generation have realised. Definitely. And I would say that, so from from perspective, my mum, at the age of 60, she absolutely loves the platform she loves to check out what i'm doing but also beyond that as a forum to you know share things that she's been doing around the garden or her friends that they're baking and they're the ones with disposable time they've got time to sit there during the day and scroll and enjoy and my mum definitely sees it as like a creative outlet for her and i think for her seeing people that she can relate to on the platform is just so exciting Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's a real sort of short-sighted view of brands to think that they can't reach audiences beyond just the millennial generation on Instagram. Definitely. Um, And you see that in some of our campaigns. So, you know, for example, we work with interior designers for the rug company. Mm. Really, by definition, their key audience is not necessarily the sort of the younger generation. They're homeowners who are looking to invest in the interiors of of their own homes and looking to spend considerable sums on product to do that and it's been incredibly successful awarding our second campaign for the rug company now because the first went so well Mm. so you they really are if you look for them you can find profiles for everybody that can reach any demographic and any interest yeah yeah Yeah, and i think it's just a brilliant thing to celebrate aging at a time when we've been so um, conditioned to fight against it whether it's with skincare, whether it's, you know, trying to re- resist retiring. It's really lovely to see people who are embracing their age, being proud of it and going, yeah, I'm still, you know, King, I'm rocking. still chic and I'm however years old and I'm going to be on this platform and share that with people. It's, it's really, really refreshing. And, yeah, should only be encouraged by brands making the most of these relationships. Well, I think really, and to kind of take a broader view of it, that's one of the mm. things that I love most about Instagram, that actually it... it it provides equal opportunity for everyone. If anybody can open their profile page, okay, and there are, there are tips and tricks and ways mm. that you need to learn to sort of market yourself and your brand once you've done that, but anybody can. And it's just, it's an open playing field for everyone. You don't need to have an agent. You don't need to have X amount of years no. experience. You don't have any money to do it. It makes sort of marketing your own personal brand possible to anyone. Definitely. So just to um, to end on, there were two other points that I wanted to flag. So, of course, last week there was also an article around uh, influencer fraud, influencers buying their followers, buying engagement, brands spending a lot of money and not seeing any return because they're working with these profiles who are sort of cheating the system. Um, 
And what I wanted to say really is that I read these articles and I see these things all of the time. And it's really not as big a deal as the press may count. It is such a small percentage of influencers that have engaged in this activity. And it is so easy to tell if they have. So really there is no excuse for a brand engaging with profiles that have bought followers or bought engagement or somehow manipulated their data. So they don't need to worry about being cheated or being ripped off because it is just so easy to tell. Um, and if you don't know how to do it, then please speak to us because we'll be happy to advise you. The other thing I wanted to say was that please do not take that to be your headline of the influencer industry, that all influencers are out to cheat brands and just make money and have no integrity. That really isn't the case. The influencers we work with are at the very top end. They're content creators, they're artists, they're dedicated, hardworking, entrepreneurial people. Um, and they want to tell a story and they want to collaborate with brands and they want to build great relationships and they want to develop themselves and they want to act professionally. So please do not have your view of the whole influencer industry coloured by these repeated articles that actually are only referencing a very small group. Mm. And please do not be wary or afraid of engaging with influencer activity in case it happens to you because so there are many, many ways that you can ensure that it doesn't. With that said, I think, again, the whole influence of fraud issue, similar to the issues that we flagged around the travel influencers, are a hangover from when the industry was less professionalised and less understood. And when influencers thought to get ahead and to get work, they had to have higher followings because mm. brands only considered followings as a relevant metric to judge their um their partnerships on whereas now actually thankfully it is much more understood that engagement is the more important metric so you will come across influencers potentially who bought their followers back in 2015 2016 whenever it might be if today they have a strong engagement rate an organic engagement rate because you can also purchase engagement too, but if they have a strong organic engagement rate and there is a specific metric that you can rely on to tell you whether the engagement that they are achieving is real or not, mm -hmm. and again, if you don't know what that is, please do get in touch because we'll be happy to share it with you, then you kind of have to ask yourself from a performance point of view if it's an issue that several years ago they engaged in this behaviour. There's a concern around integrity for sure, and that's a call that you as a brand, as an individual, will have to make. But in terms of the results they're going to drive for you, it potentially doesn't need to be a concern either. Um, and then just to finish on, I was surprised that there was no reference in last week's newsletter to the announcement that Estelore companies have decided to invest 75% of their marketing budget in influencer marketing because they have come to see how important it is globally across their portfolio of brands and how successful it is being for them. Now, we are very fortunate. They are a client of ours. Um, so this is great news for us. Um, and we like to think that we've played a very small part in sort of generating those results for them in the UK with the brands that we are working with. Uh, but really, I think it just demonstrates more broadly the evolution of the industry, the success of the industry, the importance of the industry to the growth and the development of brands.
but please let us know if you have any questions let us know if there's anything that you agreed with didn't agree with would like to discuss mm. further with us um and we'd just like to thank influence weekly for the opportunity to feature Definitely. in their podcast series <laughs> thank you juliet thank you thank you have a great day